Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this Family Tree Podcast episode 173. And folks, we have a, I mean, it's not a huge podcast episode, but it's a big deal in our lives today, Shane. What is? <laughs> we hit 50,000 on Instagram, which in the world of Instagram working and content creation is a huge deal. It's no joke. It's tough. And I feel like anyone who thinks it's easy has tried it temporarily. Like we know some people in our lives who have tried it. And it's almost impossible to not give up. You have to give up because it's so tough to even get one follower. And it takes forever to get a thousand. It takes a lifetime to get 10,000. But then once you get 10,000, you just got to keep at it and then you can get to 50, but it is a grind. The The grind from zero to 10 was brutal. is so tough. 10 to 50, you just got to keep up with that hustle that you've hopefully worked out from zero to 10,000. And now 50 to 100,000, it's not going to be easy, but I think you can get there with all the tools that you've built up this far. Oh my God. It's got to be easier than what it has been. I mean, I had to have a whole baby live on freaking Instagram air to get that 10,000. I didn't have to do that. You were at 9,000 and something (laughs) by that time. But it's been wild. And folks, Shane and I celebrated tonight. We had a little mini date night. We thought the kids were going to go to bed nicely tonight because they seemed tired, but they fooled us. And we only just got out of bedtime and it's a lot later than we thought. But during our little date night dinner, we did the keg because you cannot go wrong. It's the best celebration meal you can get your hands on. And I gave Shane a toast, um, and I I just kind of want to repeat it here, and I won't get emotional this time because I've already said it, but Shane has been the person behind this Family Tree podcast, this Family Tree Instagram account, this Family Tree TikTok, in that everything that I am good at, everything that I've learned, everything that I can do is because he has encouraged me and he has taught me and he has been there when I was when I was giving up and when I was doing a really crappy job. And I mean, I, I could not think of a better partner in anything than Shane, than you, and a better leader in things. And, you know, I, I'm so lucky to have you as my business partner and my leader in that, but also as my husband and my freaking friend. And it's the best thing ever. And Shane, you are the best. And I just want to thank you so much for everything you've done. Like this community is so much you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I am pretty good. You're right about that. (laughs) But I could never do what you do, Alex. Like it's my best quality is recognizing what people are good at And if they want to, because you said you wanted to create Mm -hmm. this account, I was like, oh, okay. Now I can not force, but like really help guide you into it. And I'm I'm nice when I need to be nice and I'll ask. But I'm also like, if anyone's read Andre Agassi's book, (laughs) the way his dad kind of like made him to be a tennis superstar, I can get a little bit like that when we're not getting results. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's uh, my apologies because I just, (laughs) I want to win so bad. I have a complex. I need to, if we're doing something, like 
like they always say in film, which is I, I work in film and television, they say it takes just as much work to do a bad movie as it does mm. a good one. And I'm like, you're killing yourself out here anyways. Yeah. We might as well have a good account. We might as well get a lot of followers because you're doing just as much work. Just think a little bit smarter. Like sometimes you would put a post, a beautiful post about a brand. You wouldn't tag them. <laughs> if you tag the brand, they share you. I have anyway, a terrible business yeah. mind, and Shane helps me correct that. Yeah, I'm just very, you know, chip on shouldery type of gritty type of person. But you know what? So here's the thing: like when I'm doing it on my own, right? I I can get so caught up in you know something that went terribly or a way that I shot took a shot creatively and missed it, and I'll get so down on myself, and I'll just be like, you know what? I'm not gonna try again, and I'm cool with that, and. But I, even though I want to, I just get so down. But you're so good at, I think, pulling people out of those. And not just me, mm -hmm. but like every friend you have that has ever come to you for business or creative advice. And I know it's a lot on you and it weighs heavily on you because these people are kind of like trauma dumping creatively on you. But you are so good at pulling people out of the gutter. Yeah, sometimes I wish I had a me to help me out. <laughs> No, but Shane, you are amazing. And I do want to give a, another toast with all of our podcast friends here to you, babe. Cheers. Well, cheers to you, Al, because ain't no 50,000 people following me. If if I did have another Shane motivating me, I can guarantee you no one's following me because <laughs> it's just you have to be smart. Honestly, you like I'm just pushing a really smart person to do really smart stuff and you look really good. And that doesn't hurt. Well, actually, that can be an advantage. Sometimes when people don't look good, that can be an advantage too. But you look really good and that's not a disadvantage. <laughs> you know, I thank you, baby. And yeah, no, thank you because you do so much of what is behind this family tree. And I just, I want to make Alex. sure people know it. I know, but people are already tuning out of the pod. No, they're not. They're all uh. fawning over you. Shane's entering his hot phase right now, ladies and gentlemen. And he knows it. The world knows it. Every waitress we've ever had in the past two weeks knows it everybody's hitting on him we had a 60 year old waitress who said to alex just to explain you're gonna be mad at me you're gonna be mad at me and alex goes i'm not gonna be mad at you what is it she goes your husband is hot <laughs> she goes he could be a model so alex has taken it upon herself to interpret that as i'm entering some sort of hot phase well, being recognized by the general public as being hot. I have always thought you were the sexiest man mm. walking the face of the earth, babe. But I think that's oddly being recognized only now, since you turned 40, by the general public. But then the woman said, do you know who else is irresistible? That Bill hater. I didn't hear that part. Oh, yeah. No, she, she was saying that he was like funny, not hot. No, she was saying hot. <laughs> You didn't hear if she wants to slather him up. It got no. quite disgusting. <laughs> we gave her an inch and she took a mile. Anyway, that's hilarious. I missed that totally. But Shane, let's get into it. We're doing a date nighty podcast. We got the wine going. We got the endorphins from eating all that delicious red meat. But I've got a question. <laughs> Hit me. I don't know if endorphins. I feel terrible right it now. It was wrong. It was wrong. Yeah, endorphins okay. is not it. Go for it. Although I do feel happy after that meal. Shane... Describe a time for me. Okay. That there, you felt oh, there's more. That you felt brave. I want to know like has That's there so been a time? So weird you ask this Why? because I was just thinking today. I maybe I was watching something on 
Oh, oh, I was watching um, an interview with Al Pacino, and they asked him if he was tough. And it's not like I think I look like Al Pacino, but in that (laughs) in that era that he was, which I think is his early forties, right? It was probably his late thirties because people looked older back then. But he kind of looked like me, Mm -hmm. and he's answering if he's tough, and he's he's contemplating. And I was thinking about that, like, am I tough? Am I brave? I would say no. But in some ways, I'm tough because I'm so stubborn mm-hmm. that I, I could be perceived as tough in some ways, but I'm also a coward when it comes to other things. So what is a time I was brave? Yeah. Like I can Physically start, brave? I, well, here's – and that's where when I was thinking about this question, I was like, this can be taken in so many different ways. So I had three situations where I was like, okay, maybe I was brave here. The first one – Anytime I have to kill a spider in the house, I honestly feel like I'm putting on a cape and doing good for the universe, you know, every single time because it's hard for me to do. I'm scared of it. I also don't like killing the spiders, but there's no way that I could just hold it and put it outside like that would I I couldn't. So then also when I was in high school. Okay, I was a part of an inter-school coalition. It was an anti-bullying coalition and I got chosen because of leadership and like good marks or whatever. And me and these other anti-bullying nerds would go school to school to public schools too. And we would have to give speeches on anti-bullying. So I would go up in front of like 2000 students that I did not know. And I would talk for 20 minutes. I would do a speech about bullying and it was so dorky it was so dorky but I was really passionate about it and uh I would just I remember being terrified and then after the speech was over I'd be like yeah kick that ass I taught them about bullying but it was terrifying and looking back they just probably thought I was just such a pencil neck geek you know it is tough to speak in front of people especially for some people more than most Mm -hmm. and that's that's what I was going to Say recently we did a show at the Rivoli and, you know, I was doing this show with people, other people who are performers, they perform weekly and some people have been in sketch troops and I have done some live performance. Like I used to do the announcements at Silver City. So every night I'm essentially performing in front of 10,000 people, like over one evening doing theaters with 300 people in it, like the seven o'clock show and the nine o'clock show, there's 12 theaters and doing every theater that's a lot of people and like you know over time it's i'm talking to probably a million people in the course of my career with the microphone so i did have some experience uh talking in front of people but with the rivoli it's a full comedic show a full comedic sketch show we're performing unproven sketches (laughs) that we filmed for a sketch show that we never planned on doing in front of a live audience and i had to open doing these sketches in front of bruce mccullough and his audience that he brought in at the Rivley. So that was a little bit scary. But I felt like the night of, I was the most brave of ever anyone I was with. I thought you were pretty brave. Like you you had so much to say. You had more to say than anybody else. That alone. I had, the, I had the most lines and I felt like I also had the most confidence in it. Shane, were you doing the movie theater thing around when Fast and the Furious 3 came out? It's hard to keep track of the numbers, but I know how Fast and Furious was out. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, maybe I would it was think too so. fast, too furious. But it was around that era, yes. right? Because I, I think I remember you, like not your face or anything like that, 
But my friends and I would go to Silver City. You know, that was the big Friday or Saturday night thing to do when you're 15 or 16. And there was a really funny, like hilarious, not just mildly funny, hilarious Mm -hmm. guy. Oh, I got so many laughs. Like even in audiences where there's uh, Friday nights, a teen movie, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of guys like shouting out funny things. Like, you know, I would get called the F word Mm. a lot. And I always would just go, Dad, come on. Like, and it, it was a, it's, it's obviously a hack joke, but you can see it's effective in getting a laugh. And I just had a million comebacks because I'd been called every name in the book. My hair was long and blonde. Everyone would say, like, you look like a woman. It's like anything, like all yeah. jokes in the early 2000s that would, you know, very inappropriate mm-hmm. nowadays. But like anything that was they thought would hurt me, they would yell. And I had a comeback for everything. I would like people's like girls parents that i was trying to impress would show up and be like that shane is hilarious you know what i mean like <laughs> but shane it, it had to have been you because there couldn't have been that many funny guys at the ancaster silver city in that time period no they created an award called funniest player because they call you players when you work at silver city i won the funniest award the funniest player award and the best announcements in the shape of a little oscar i still have it in the other room that's amazing. You got to keep that forever. Like that's a special little thing. Yeah. It, it, and people voted on it. It wasn't mm-hmm. just someone, one person higher up thought it was funny. The Of all people in all the theater system, which had a lot of employees at the time, they all voted and handed out awards. So I was argue, so honored. Can't argue with laughs. And I mean, look who's got the sketch show now, guys. It's coming out in like three weeks. This is huge. Yep, it's huge stuff. But- The last thing that I thought of, because I was like brave, is like protection. When have I been like protective of people? I remember taking students on a hike in Costa Rica at nighttime. And there's like scary stuff there. And everybody was looking at me to be the brave person. So I pretended to be brave and I was very scared. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good move though. That might be foolish. Well, there were Costa Ricans that were taking us on the hike and they were brave and they knew what was going on. I see. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Shane, do you have a question for me tonight? This is tough. I was planning on having a little (laughs) bit more time. (laughs) It's been a rough night. Okay. When you're 50, it's theme being 50, what will be one thing that you haven't done yet that you'd want to accomplish and you'd be upset with yourself if you did not? I don't have an... Shane, this is so bad. I'm not an ambitious person. Yes, you are. In that regard. Well, there's... I don't... I don't want to accomplish things. I want to do things and like experience things, but not necessarily accomplish things. You know what I mean? You were going out of your mind trying to get 50,000 followers. Well, yeah. Okay. But that's like different. Like ideally I'd be able to turn this family tree, 50,000 person community into something bigger beyond Instagram. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that looks like, but ideally- that's what I'm doing. Cult. Okay. <laughs> I like that idea. How would you take me as a cult leader? Would I be okay? Hmm. You'd need, you could be a good cult leader. Here's the thing. <laughs> I would have to be behind you. Yeah. Not literally. Mm-hmm. I would just have to be the puppet master and tell you how to cult it up. Could you be my Sheila? Remember that Wild Wild Country documentary we were yeah. watching? Sheila ran things. She had the gun and everything. Could you be my Sheila? And I'm just the charismatic cult leader kissing babies and shaking hands until we drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. That that's would be my best role. Speaking of cults, 
we almost had a family date this weekend with, with whom? members of an ex cult, ex members of a cult. How? Sarah and Nippy. How? They were in town. Did they message you? Yeah, Sarah and I were talking. They, they were in were, Toronto? They were in Toronto with their family, but the air was all bad. Oh, so what'd you say? How come you didn't tell me that? Well, because the year was all bad and wasn't going to happen. But this is Sarah and Nippy. So they were in the documentary about Nexium called The Vow. And we had them on our podcast. Such a fascinating. We didn't have Nippy. Not, not Nippy. We had Sarah. And it was really fascinating because we were one of the first podcasts that Sarah did after the show came out. Yeah. Like we we had a, the scoop, some might say. But uh, yeah, so we were chatting about that. And <laughs> we were going we to get the kids together. But you know, time time gets away from you. So you're just going to avoid the question? Talk what about was scoops? the question? The question is something you'd want to do before 50 <laughs> mm, and you'd be mm. upset if you hadn't accomplished it. Oh, okay. Well, the only thing I truly want to do, Shane, and I'll be up, I will be upset if we don't do by the time I'm 50, get the whole family tour in Europe a little bit. I will be upset if we don't do that by the time I'm 50. I'll be like devastated. So that. It's okay. not an accomplishment in the sense of like, I'm adding to my legacy, but I'm adding to the old memory bank. All right, guys, this is Alex reporting in solo, and I'm cutting right into what seems like the middle of the episode that Shane and I just recorded because I guess I am. We may have hit 50K and we may have been celebrating, but the technology gods were absolutely freaking not on our side, and we somehow lost more than half of our recording. So I'm going to get back here. Shane's not even home from work yet. And I'm going to go ahead and do the rest of the episode solo, which to be honest, I'm kind of excited to do. So we will get to our mailbag segment right now. But before we do that, let me tell you who we're supported by. We are supported by Mini Miosh, their premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity, and they make, I am telling you, the best basics for your littles. Fashionable wardrobe staples that are soft, comfy, and timeless, and can be passed from child to child regardless of gender. Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low-impact, non-toxic dyes. They also just came out with a women's collection, which is the best news and has made my life so much more comfortable. Uh, but these are just like simple, cozy outfits made of French terry, and they're ethically and sustainably produced like everything else in their line. It's really amazing. So you can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree15, you're getting 15% off your order. That's a big deal. This is available in Canada and in the US and it is one use per customer. So load up that cart. And again, that is minimiosh.com and thisfamilytree15. We are also supported by True Earth. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that Shane and I have been taking steps to reduce our environmental footprints. So the first way that we started doing this was just by eliminating certain single-use plastics in our households. And we started off with plastic laundry detergent jugs because they're massive. They take up so much space in our laundry room. There's so much water being used, just, you know, diluting the soap in them. And then just big plastic jugs that don't even get recycled properly. Only, what is it, like 90% of recycled items don't actually get recycled. It's huge. It's wild. Research it. Anyway, we discovered True Earth Laundry Detergent, and we haven't looked back since. 
The detergent itself comes in these pre-measured soluble strips that you simply rip apart, you put them in your washer. It is so easy. And the best part is that there's no plastic. The packaging is super compact and it has drastically changed the tidiness of the laundry room and the amount of recycling that goes into our bin every week. And as a family with kids who have really sensitive skin, we usually opt for the baby detergent. It's fragrance-free, gentle on everybody's skin, and it is super tough on dirt. Our clothes come out smelling great, crispy clean, and very, very, very much not irritating. So check out True Earth Detergent at true.earth and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 to get 10% off your order. You're going to love the product. Take my word for it. And honestly, they have so many different things on their website. But again, that is true.earth and thisfamilytree10. And now let's get to our mailbag segment. So this is where you guys, the listeners, the audience, write in to me on Instagram. I do it every Friday. So if you're listening ever and you're like, how do we submit the questions? Do it on Fridays. I always put up a question box and then answer them anonymously unless, you know, stated otherwise or there's some dialogue beforehand, which gives me permission. But let's get right into it. Question one, sex life after having kids, how do you find the energy? Oh my God. Oh my God. This is one of the trickiest things that I think couples who love each other and want to get involved together, I think this is one of the biggest problems they have because it can factor into so many different things like desire, validation, self-worth. At least it does for me in a lot of ways. So what I have learned, and I know this works because after Shane and I started doing it, every single expert we have ever spoken to on this podcast, any relationship expert that I follow on Instagram, everybody always says the number one thing you got to do, schedule intimate time. Schedule. It's so unromantic. When she, like Shane first suggested it, it was his idea. He's like, yeah, Alex, we're going to put it on the schedule and that's going to be the night in the week that we have an intimate night. And I was like, oh, come on. You know, in my head, I'm like, romance needs to be like the notebook. It needs to be like all of these movies that we grew up watching and spontaneous and flirtatious and just so natural and organic. But realistically, I think if you have kids, we all know that spontaneity kind of dies, you know, maybe until your kids are a little bit older. Because there is just no time. There's just no energy and it really is so hard. So in the meantime, I kid you not, schedule sex, schedule intimacy. We used to put it on a calendar and honestly, you just, you kind of start it up and it feels awkward. Like I'm not gonna lie, it feels awkward at first, okay? Being intimate with your partner when you're doing it only because it's on a schedule. But you have to prioritize it. And then you have to just go for it. And I mean, within a couple seconds or minutes or whatever of kind of forcing it and doing it because you're prioritizing it, then it starts coming naturally to you. Okay. And then intimacy begets more intimacy. And then the more comfortable you get with it, the more you'll do it. But I mean, if you're not doing it a lot, and I mean, you're a new parent, whatever, that is so normal. It's honest, It's honestly the most normal thing that could happen. Sex life or sex drive between a couple doesn't usually pick up from where it left off like pre-kids until the two-year mark. And think about it. You're not getting a lot of sleep. You have so many more responsibilities on your plate. I mean, 
it's endless. It's endless. So to have the energy and the time to spend with your spouse doing something, you know, sexy or cozy or whatever, it's really tricky. So don't get discouraged. You know, you have your kid a year later, you're like, oh my gosh, my sex life still hasn't picked up. That's fine. It is so normal. And you are right in there with honestly the rest of us. All right. I think only for a unicorn is it. And obviously there will be those unicorn people who do find the energy, who do find the time, but it is not the norm. So know that it takes two years. Know that scheduling it really does help as long as you prioritize it and actually follow through. And I mean, if you're after the two-year mark and you're still having a hard time getting back in it, talk about it. Go see somebody. Go see a counselor. You can go see a therapist or a counselor without having major problems. You can go there to say, hey, like, how can we work on this? Give us ways to make time, make intimacy. But then, I mean, a part of me also says if you can make time to see a therapist, you can make time to have sex. So you, you know, go forward knowing that it is so normal and that I just go baby steps at a time until you get to a place with your partner where you both want to be and where you're on the same page. All right, the next question. If you could have any Kardashian or Jenner on the podcast, who would it be? So I do not know much about the Car Jenner crew, to be quite honest. I love their clothing. I think Kim through Skims and Chloe through Good American make actually fantastic clothing. And the rest of them, honestly... I don't know too much about Shane and I only recently got into watching any of their shows, which I admit are so fun and so addictive. And just from the little bit that I know, I would 100% say Chloe. I think out of the whole gang, if there's one girl that I'm able to hang out with, it's Chloe. I think she is the most grounded in a lot of ways and then I think if we're having her on the podcast oh my gosh her experiences with surrogacy and her dummy husband or boyfriend whatever ex it would just be the best pod fodder and she would be able to relate I think the most to our audience um with her surrogacy stories and the way she shares already so openly about motherhood and her difficulties and her joys things like that but Definitely Chloe. Kim is too put on, too fake. Courtney, I don't I don't know if I can stand her. I just, maybe I just can't stand her relationship with Travis Barker. They're just so they give me the ick. Uh and then Kylie and Kendall are just they're too out to lunch for me. Too out to lunch. I can't deal. But I think I have that problem with a lot of young people anyway. Um where it's you know, if, if you're in certain settings, if I'm in a social setting, I have a hard time relating to younger people. But Chloe is my answer, and I'm sticking to that one. I think she'd be great. Okay, the next question. Do you think women get criticized more for having children late versus men? Hillary Swank got trolled after she announced her pregnancy, but then Rob De Niro and Al Pacino don't get the same media backlash. Okay, so let's break this down. Look at it. I didn't know Hillary Swank was pregnant, but I think she's pregnant with twins and she's 48. So she was getting a lot of media backlash having twins at her age, 48. Personally, I mean, that's a lot to take on when you're 48, but 
she's got all the help in the world and that's what she wants to do. We all have different priorities. So for her, do it. That's awesome. There are going to be struggles. There are going to be unique challenges because of her age. But if you have the means, it kind of changes things. And now about having the means. Okay, let's look at De Niro and Pacino. De Niro is 79, had his most recent kid in April. And I think he's got a ton of kids. I think he's got like seven kids. So 79 years old. Al Pacino, my friends, is pregnant with his young girlfriend. His young girlfriend is pregnant. And he is 83. 83. So it is so interesting. And I mean, if you're looking at it from the lens of like, well, are you giving your child, you know, that nuclear family dynamic that is so idealized in our society, then yeah, there are going to be issues with it. I mean, De Niro is going to be dead before his kid gets to high school. So the kid is growing up with a very elderly father who won't be there to see really very much. However, if this is what the mother wanted, and if she has a community around her, and even if she doesn't, I mean, a kid doesn't need two parents. They don't need two active parents. We don't need to look at families through that lens. Families can look so different depending on who you're talking to, where you come from, whatever. And I don't think that that kid is going to be any less loved. I mean, with the money I bet she's getting from Pacino too, I don't think that kid is going to be missing out on anything. So ultimately... Yeah, it's like kind of gross thinking about getting intimate with an 83-year-old when you're so young. But if this is what she wanted, the girlfriend, I mean, all the power to her. She's got a baby coming. She's going to get some sweet cash from it. And I mean, can I say this? Once Pacino kicks it, she can marry somebody her own age. And she's got the money in the bank to show for it. So honestly, I don't think anybody's losing here. I think that sometimes it's just tricky to think about a family that looks different than ours and say, oh, yeah, that will work too. But honestly, it's something that I'm always trying to get better at doing. And I think I think we all can. But the next question. Pinatas are popular at kids' parties in Australia, but they give me anxiety with the kids swinging the stick around. At a recent party, the stick broke off and flew off and hit someone in the face. Do you have these in Canada? And what are your thoughts on this activity? First of all, that's kind of hilarious. I hope the person is okay. That is obviously awful. Um, hilarious situation. It sounds like it is out of a really silly movie, like slapstick, Three Stooges type. But I have no problem with pinatas. We do them quite often. Except, like, what the heck kind of stick are you using that is breaking and flying off and hitting people in the faces? Grab, like, a baseball bat. Grab something that has a little, you know, a little weight to it. Make sure all the kids are far away and then go at it. But like, don't just use like a skinny piece of wood stick. I think pinatas are cool. Just plan them well. Plan them a little bit better. Use like, I don't know, is a metal rod better? That's not going to break. But then if you accidentally hit somebody, you're absolutely screwed. Um, but yeah, pinatas are okay, I guess, with safety protocol. 
I personally think they are a ball. Love pinatas. Want to have one at every party. The next question. There's a TikTok mom who started debate over a birthday cake in a park. Google the story. Would love to hear your thoughts on it. All right. So I had not heard this. I'm like, we produce TikToks, we're involved, but I consume so little of the actual content. So I looked this up and it's a really interesting story. And there are people on both sides. Uh, so here, here's what happened. There's a mom and her three-year-old park, her three-year-old kid, and they are playing around a park, right? And then three-year-old kid makes friends with these other kids. And the other kids are in this park having a birthday party. So the three-year-old starts running around with the party kids for like a half hour and they're all playing. And then the party kids' parents call the party back because they're about to sing happy birthday and have the cake. So this little three-year-old goes with them. And then the mother of the party kids, so the three-year-old takes some cake and sits with this party. So the mother of the three-year-old takes the plate away from the kid, gets down to her level and says, you cannot eat this cake, okay? This is not your birthday party. These aren't your friends. Where is your mother? And then the mom, whose three-year-old was running off, was just stunned because she was assuming that, you know, like, why not give my kid a piece of the cake? They've been playing together for a half hour, whatever. She just assumed that it would be fine. So she's saying, hey, am I in the wrong or can I shame this mom for not giving my three-year-old cake? And a lot of people are like, oh my God, that other mom who was hosting the birthday party is a B word. Of course, give the three-year-old cake. How could you do that to a kid? Blah, blah, blah. And a lot of people are saying, well, like, what about you? You know, why weren't you ensuring that your kid didn't intrude too much? Whatever. Where I stand on this is that they're both kind of in the wrong in different ways. I think the TikTok mom, from my perspective, is more in the wrong, though. So the mother hosting the birthday party that got down to the kid's level, and who knows if this is what she said, because we're hearing it from the person that was, quote unquote, wronged, and things do get embellished. But you don't go and tell a kid, these aren't your friends. Kids make best friends at a park within two minutes, 10 seconds of knowing each other. And that can be devastating for a little kid to hear that. So first of all, that's unfair. That's not how you talk to kids. And if a kid was playing with my kids, then came up and grabbed a piece of birthday cake and I had some, I want to talk to their parents and see if they have any allergies or if they're allowed to have it. But then yeah, I'm letting them have the birthday cake. However, just because somebody's having a birthday party in a public place does not give you the right to kind of intrude on it in that way. So if I'm switching places, right, and I'm the mom of like the TikTok mom, and I'm sitting there and let's say Betty is running around, then we see a birthday party and she starts mingling with the kids on the playground. When they all get called in for cake, I'm paying attention because that's what I do at the park. And I'm probably stepping in and saying, okay, Betty, they're going to do their thing. Like, I'll go push you on the swing now and I'll try to take her focus away or take her home. I am not by any means assuming that she can go over there, get in on the food and everything like that with the birthday party. Because then what about the goodie bags? What if they start giving out goodie bags? Is this mom going to assume that her kid can get one of those too? Like, where do you draw the boundary? So as a parent who's not involved, I'm just stopping my kid from interacting further because I don't want to intrude. And then if the other family says, hey, she can come over and get cake. Amazing. 
but I am never going to make that assumption. I just think it is incredibly entitled and I think it's rude and I think it's, I don't know, is it kind of weird? So they're both in the wrong. However, TikTok mom should not have let her kid be put in that position in the first place. I think she should have intervened. And I mean, if you think differently, would love to hear your perspective. Uh, DM me. Seriously, would love to hear because I think that's where I stand. All right, the next question. I'm sure someone else has asked this before, but favorite top three podcasts for you and Shane? So I know Shane loves Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard. There's a couple more, and it sucks that he's not here right now and that we lost everything because I totally forget what he likes other than Armchair Expert. And me, I like weird stuff, guys. So first of all, I will say I love Jessie Crookshank's podcast. She has like a mom podcast. Super fun. She's interviewed a lot of the same people we've interviewed. Uh, some of our friends listen to it. It's a good time. But then I like Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. It's just like boring six-hour-long podcasts about Genghis Khan and things like that. If you're a history ed, check it out. It's phenomenal. So the next question is, I'm just going to answer this really quick. Where is your white dress from? I recently wore a long white dress, um, but I've been getting a lot of questions about all of my work clothes lately because I updated my work clothing wardrobe. Guys, the last time I bought work clothes, okay, I was, what, 25, just starting to make money in my career, no kids. And I mean, though I was starting to make money, I was really cheap with my money and still am in a lot of ways. But my wardrobe was meant to fit the body of a 25-year-old who had never had kids, who had little hips, and they weren't the best quality everything just because I wasn't spending a ton of money on clothing. So this year at work, I updated everything and I was really excited to finally get myself, first of all, clothes that fit, pants that I can pull over my ass that has had a couple kids, dresses that I feel comfortable in and that look professional because when I was 25, I wasn't I, I don't know. I had a different vibe. I was like more for the comfort. And now I'm like, yeah, comfort, but also class and style and professionalism because you can get all those things. So I started getting all my work clothes at a store called Evernew. They're out of Melbourne, Australia. They just came to Canada within, I don't know, I noticed them like six months ago. And it's been amazing. They have beautiful stuff right up my alley for like work. They have amazing stuff for weddings too. Um, really girly, feminine. And then the quality is, it's honestly, it's so good. And they're not paying me. Like they don't pay me to wear their clothes. They don't pay me to talk about them right now. Maybe they should, but yeah, I just, I honestly really, I really love it all. And the final question I got, I brought it up before. Um, so I, I'm just going to touch on it a little bit right now, but they ask, would you mind sharing more about your diagnosis and experience with lupus? So my whole life, you guys, has been a medical mystery. Teams of people need to study me. I don't know why they aren't right now because they don't have answers to any of my questions or ailments. So I think I could be really beneficial to the medical community. But when I was little, so from 18 months to eight years old, I used to have seizures like very frequently. Anytime I'd get any kind of fever or ear infection or something, I'd have a seizure. 
And it lasted for eight years. And then when I was eight years old, I had a massive combination seizure slash complicated migraine. So a complicated migraine, and I've, I've been getting these ever since, it's where, you know, you get an aura. So my vision goes or my vision gets blurred, something. The headache comes on. But then I also get paralysis on my left side. So I can't move my face, can't feel the left side of my body, vomiting, excruciating pain, everything. Uh, And then when I was a teenager, I started getting chest pains and I always attributed it to, I don't know, being athletic, being very active, maybe being dehydrated, things like that. But I didn't take it really seriously and it didn't impact me too much. But one day I was 23 and I had been out with my friends, maybe 22, and I had been out with my friends the night before. I woke up in the morning, opened my eyes, and just screamed when I took my first breath. Screamed. I was in more pain with the movement of my chest just by simply breathing. And it, it was the most, oh, I, it's hard to even describe the pain I was in and how scary it was because I wasn't expecting it. So basically, I couldn't move. Any movement just sent this horrendous pain throughout my body, like lightning bolts. So my parents took me to the hospital. You know, they had to like carry me and it was was awful. Get to the hospital. I ended up being there for like two weeks getting all these tests done. Um, And, you know, they were testing me for so many different things. I was in the cardiac unit because the lining of my heart and my lungs had swelled up. So I had pericarditis um, and pleuritis. And can you imagine, right, like your heart and your lungs swelling and then fluid had collected at the bottom of them? And just the pain, like every beat of my heart sent me in to awful pain. It was really bad. So testing ended up going on for, geez, like a couple years um, because he's just waiting for doctors, waiting for specialists and appointments. And it's really hard to get seen. And then, you know, in between your specialist appointments, you're getting blood tests. So it was a really tough year for me, uh, for my parents at the time, who were obviously taking me to my appointments and supporting me. But eventually, I was given the lupus diagnosis in a really terrible appointment with a doctor who I think has died. God bless her. Um, But she was horrific to me. She sat me down. I'm, you know, 23. And she goes okay, so you have lupus. It's this, this, and this. The survival rate is great. <laughs> and you, you know, you should be able to control. It. And she said, but you probably won't be able to have kids. And just kind of looked at me and she said, everything's so deadpan. And I know this is like the big cliche with doctors is that they have no bedside banner. But I mean, she was the worst. Okay. It was like out of a movie. She was at a central casting and just so blunt and harsh with a 23-year-old who life is kind of getting turned upside down for because of this chronic disease that I'm realizing I have. So that was really tough. Uh, Obviously, I have had children successfully, although pregnancy definitely doesn't agree with me and I will not be having any more because I don't think my body could tolerate it uh, or tolerate it well. But It was hard. It was a hard process. There was a lot of, you know, a a lot of moments of sadness and 
just wondering if things would be normal. But things are normal. You know, I just make concessions and like I'm a 34 year old with really bad arthritis. Like that's pretty shitty and unfair. But it's something that I'm learning how to deal with. And I'm learning my triggers and how to avoid flare ups when I can. They're not always avoidable. And I'm learning what medications work and help. And luckily, a lot of progress has been made even in the last two years with lupus and lupus medications. So I'm hoping that when my girls grow up, there is a chance that they will have it. Uh, And I'm hoping that for them, it'll be like nothing because it's quite a possibility. I mean, 60 years ago, people were dying because of lupus. And now that's so unlikely. And hopefully by the time my girls are grown up, that will be, you know, not even heard of. So there it is. If you have any more questions about it, though, throw me a question in my DMs and I'll get back to you. But guys, thank you so much for tuning in, especially with this wacky (laughs) tech problem episode, but sending you all the best. And please, it would make me and Shane, speaking for him, so thrilled, so heartwarmed if you go and give us a five-star rating, give us a review. We love to hear from you guys. We like to hear what you like about the pod. And we like to know you know why we keep it going it's just he and i talking or me talking by myself and it's nice to hear from people but folks thank you so much for listening to this family tree podcast episode 173